For this Sunday and next Sunday, we spend time with a bearded man who lives in a far-off place. And people from all around present requests to him. Of course, I'm not talking about the North Pole. We're 35 kilometers west of Jerusalem in the wilderness, the Judean countryside. It's not ho-ho-ho and a twinkle in Chris Kringle's eye, but from the reading today, it's intensity, glimmers of fire, one who cries out and even yells out, repent, the kingdom of heaven is near. And so before we get to the storyline of the cradle and the baby and songs in midnight, there's this story that's in all four of the Gospels. This wily, fur-coated, honey-suckling man named John. And before we get to Jesus, we have to grapple with John. Now, many of us know from other stories that John and Jesus are cousins, And if Jesus is the man of peace, then John is the man of mayhem. Holy mayhem, shall we say. Crying out, repent, turn around, get right. The kingdom of heaven has come. And for a a people who for 400 years had been watching and waiting for Messiah and were now in this place of oppression and intimidation, This feels like good news. A reign that is higher than Herod's? Repent? How? If if it leads to a higher place, a higher reign, then please, sir, show us the way. John keeps on crying out to the people, this is the one of whom the prophet Isaiah spoke when he said, prepare the way of the Lord. Make his paths straight. Repent. Prepare? Okay, we'll do it. How? 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 And then we can imagine the dousing and the splashing, the holy fervor of John as he listens to the confessions of the people, as he stares intensely in their faces, and then he plunges them one after one, into the chilly waters of the Jordan River. Imagine his soggy fur jacket getting in the way, and so now he's stripped down to a loincloth, and he's baptizing with the strength of a hundred men. Some in the crowd are murmuring, is this Elijah? Or maybe the spirit of Elijah is inhabiting this man? Remember that story? Elijah went out in a blaze of glory. And now perhaps he comes back with fury and zeal for the Almighty. So it's certainly a sight to behold. People from all around Jerusalem and from all the towns in the Judean countryside come. They're baptized. They're ready for revival. And lo and behold, the religious leaders catch wind that John's arrival has come. And so they too come to the edge of the Jordan. But John's message to them is firm and full of rage. You brood of vipers, you think you can flee from the wrath to come? 
just because you name Abraham as your ancestor, you're not worthy. God doesn't need you. God can raise up children of Abraham from these river stones. And then John turns to all the crowds, the devoted, the doubters, the deviant, and he simply says, bear fruit. Bear fruit worthy of repentance. Even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Bear fruit. Bear good fruit. What might that mean for us in these early weeks of Advent? We look out our window and we might think, fruit? Though we know that the trees around us, even though weighted down with snow, are in this place, this season of rest and renewal. Something's going on, right? Invisible processes. Metabolic functions still taking place below the surface of the leaf or the tree trunk in the midst of cold and darkness. I hope that's an encouraging image for all of us. And maybe it can be that way for us in this season of Advent. John's piercing voice, an invitation for us to be in process. Process of repentance or confession or renewal. Repentance. Confession, renewal. I want us to try and carry those words, not in a way of, oh, I'm such a schmuck God, what do you want me to do? Do more, try harder. We've tried that way, many of us, and it doesn't bear fruit. Instead, how might those words of confession and renewal and repentance be life-giving for us? Perhaps... It's a song that will get you there to help you stir up your imagination, or maybe it's a poem, or maybe it's silence. I urge you to find places where you can simply sit and rest and believe that the process of renewal, repentance, and confession is happening. I want to share a couple readings. One was from Pastor Jeremy quoting Frederick Beekner this week. Advent is like the hazy ring around the winter moon that means the coming of snow, which will turn the night to silver soon. But for the time being our time, darkness is where we are. And this other reading from this Advent reader that I've been sharing from over the past week. In this season when our hearts are heavy and we oscillate between rage and despair, we pause and look close. 
We are washed over by the wind in the white pine, startled by the stars in the night sky, and saved by the sparrow standing in the snow. If you feel comfortable, I invite you to close your eyes. And maybe in your mind's eye, you can remember this past week where you have been washed over. Or maybe you've been startled. Or maybe you've been saved by some sight in God's creation. These are moments and images that help us in this journey of repentance, confession, and renewal. And in these days of Advent, I invite us to abide with John. Go to those wilderness places. Don't stay in the city where it's all about lights and power and consumerism and fine foods or military weaponry. Instead, let's spend some time with John in the wilderness, where revelation is happening in the wild places. No sweet sauces, no charcuterie trays, but big grasshoppers and pots of unpasteurized honey. So what might be our posture in the wilderness? Maybe it's silence. Maybe it's the open hand, the quieted heart. And we hope that this place, this sanctuary, this way of worship might contribute to that for you in these days. So that we might be good trees who in due time, we will bear good fruit. We long to be those people. We're called to be those people. So in this season, let's continue to watch and pray. Or we sing, O come, O come, Emmanuel, because we need God to keep coming to us, providing the strength, providing the Spirit's power, nurturing in us grace and growth. And so we make our way to the table, and we pray that that's a place of confession, repentance, renewal for you and me. And as we continue to prepare our hearts, I'm going to close with a poem from this Advent reader. It's a poem by an indigenous poet named Cynthia Wallace. And for those of you live streaming today, uh, there's an image to go with this as well. And we're going to post that image. Hymn of the Midwinter Night. In the dark, the earth dreams, vermilion dreams, peony stock dreams, biding their time. Everything is alive. Even that which is dead is alive. In the black and holy fire of the dream, and rising in a chorus of deep down longing, 
the very sediment itself is singing. Come, child of the blood-red womb. Come, beauty of the unelectric night. Come, truth of the tree's sleeping sap. Come, God of the ink-black tomb.